Great. I want to just turn your attention tonight to a passage that um, some of us would be very, very, very familiar with. And it's um, found in uh, the New Testament part of the Bible. It's found in actually chapter 11 of Matthew's. Matthew, Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. Um, I just want to do, uh, highlight something. Next Sunday night, we have a baptismal service happening here in the church. Uh, uh, at least three people have been water baptized, possibly a couple more. So um, if uh, that's something that you know is the next step for you, please make sure tonight that you see us about that. But uh, water baptism next Sunday night. Great. Matthew chapter 11, and uh, reading just from 28 to 30, I had it on the screen up there um, as well, just this, this verse. Jesus is uh, speaking, and uh, when Jesus speaks, we should always take note, but um, in some of your Bibles, it'll be, is it there? Not that one, don't worry about it, they've got it in their Bibles. Matthew 11, here it is, verse 28 to 30. It says, um, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, um, who knows? Rest. I'll give you rest. And then it says, it uses this wonderful word, yoke. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, that's not it, you can get rid of that one. Timothy, um, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you'll find rest uh, for your souls. And once again, it says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wonderful. You know, the word meek in verse, um, in verse 29 there, it's Jesus that says, I'm meek, and in some versions it might say lowly or whatever it may say. Um, um, uh, it refers to, uh, it really does mean the word meek. And it's an interesting word. Uh, there it is. Look at that. <laughs> uh, the word meek, uh, literally, you know, if you were to look up the English dictionary today, you'd find um, uh, a definition of the word meek. And some of the words that would be describing the word meek would be this, spineless and, uh, and easily imposed upon. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, I'd have to agree that that's generally what the world sometimes thinks of the word meek. Spineless, because spineless, uh, um, spineless it kind of refers to a person who's got no you know, ability to make the hard choices sometimes or to, or, or, or to you know, go through the tough times. Um, I want to tell you that is so far from the truth of what Jesus meant when he said meek. Okay? So far from the truth. Jesus, um, if, if this one thing that you could never describe Jesus Christ as was spineless, I mean, being nailed to a cross is not a weak event, you know, it's not a weak process, is it? He wasn't spineless. He never allowed people to impose on anything on him. He, anything that, if you can remember, even at his, the crucifixion, he says, you know what? Um, this wouldn't be possible if I didn't allow it. You wouldn't be able to crucify me if I did. He, he allowed those things to happen to him. He never allowed people to impose, but he certainly was a man uh, who made choices, made the right choices, and uh, was anything but spineless. So when Jesus talks about the word meek, he's not talking about the, the worldly um, definition of meek. And you might think, what is, and it's a good question to ask, what does it literally mean when Jesus says, for I'm meek and I'm humble in heart. Now, we know what humble is. Uh, we know it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quality in life where, you know, you haven't got pride, you, you keep your ego in place, all those type of things. But meek, what's meek actually saying? What is it really referring to? And what did the people of the first century mean 
when they understand by the word um, meek. Um, there was a Greek scholar called Spirios. Uh, it was interesting because this gives us some insight in, when he comments on the meaning of the word. And he says that when Jesus was using this word, he was not referring to a person's um, observed uh, uh, behavior. Sometimes we, you know, you can look at a person and you say, oh, they're meek or they're humble. You know what? You really don't know because, because it's not the outward appearance of a person. It's not what just they do necessarily. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not their natural disposition. You say, oh, that person's meek and that person's not. No, because meekness is really not seen, uh, you can't tell just from the person's outward and natural disposition. Um, uh, rather, Spiro says this, it's the grace of the soul, in other words, the emotions in our lives, all those things in our heart, all those things that we have to deal with, you know, the feelings we have, the emotions we have. It's the grace of that part of our life and the expression of it primarily towards God and how we communicate and relate with God. Um, uh, it, it, it's the acceptance, here it is, it's the acceptance of God's dealings with, uh, with us, considering them as good in that they enhance the closeness of our relationship with him. It's the acceptance of God's dealings with us. How God puts his hand upon us, how he draws him to ourselves, how we, how we maybe all highlight sometimes parts of our life that, that he wants to see enhanced and he wants to encourage in some parts of our life. He says, hey, you've got to you know, surrender that. It's his dealings with us. And In other words, uh, meekness is found in how we react to the dealings of God and the stuff that happens to us in life. There's the definition of meekness. The dealings, meekness is found in how we react to the dealings of God and react to the stuff that happens in life. You know, um, do we resist our challenges uh, with frustration or accept them with grace? Uh, do we fight all the way kicking and screaming or do we endure with patient resistance? Or um, do we shake our fist at God or do we bow our knee faithfully declaring, you know, God, I'm just going to trust you. So there's this, if you can get this picture of what really meekness is about. Um, first century people understood what Jesus meant when he said meekness. It was a measure of how we react to the blows of life and how we cope with the things that happen to us. Um, how we cope with the things that happen to us. Maybe that's what James, uh, in the, book, the little book that he wrote in the New Testament, was really saying when he said, you know what, everybody consider it pure joy. You know, th th this is a verse that you, you read and you go, well, how does this ever happen? Because my first reaction when struggle happens, I don't have pure joy sometimes. <laughs> consider it, James says, pure joy, um, brothers and sisters, when you're involved in various trials. Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. But you must let perseverance have its full effect that you may be uh, mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. And I think that's, you know, the, the reality is I never mature in the good times. <laughs> I never grow in the good times. But I always, if I allow myself, if I allow the qualities of meekness and humble and humility to function in those times when the, there's a dealings happening in my life, there's a trial happening in my life, you know, they're the times that I have a, a privilege of growing and strengthening and developing in life. And that's what James is saying. 
um, there's a, there could be a great joy in that, you know, and um, I'm searching for that joy continually. Oh, God, this, this is not pretty. This is not happy. This is not fun. But, you know, there's, uh, James is correct. There's something about that we can mature and we can really grow in those times of difficulty. Um, because I've discovered continually that life is, that is throw up what we could would maybe consider as some tombstones, but really they're just stepping stones. They're just stepping stones to blessing. And Jesus says, he says this, he says, you know what? Meekness is a powerful tool if you allow me uh, that into your life. And I think the 21st century Christians, today generally, even Christians today, in this, in this century can easily interpret meekness as sometimes weakness. And uh, uh, you know what? It's, it's exactly the opposite because meekness is not that. It's a strength. It's a, it, it takes an inner grace of, the, of your heart to be kind and forgiving in circumstances, doesn't it? That takes great strength, folks. That takes great strength. It, it, anyone can be gracious when everything is going well, but what, ha- what happens when the world collapses around you, so to speak? Uh, anyone can be kind when everyone's showing you kindness, but what happens when you are confronted with injustice? How do you cope with that? Um, you know, in those times, it's the only, it's the, only the very strong that can re- respond with true meekness, the ability to um, submit yourself to the dealings and the trials and the struggles and say, what can I learn in these times? And that uh, is the definition of what Jesus is talking about right there in Scripture when he says, you know, come unto me who labor and heavy laden, for I'm meek and humble and learn from me. I'm meek and humble in heart. Um, I love this passage because, first of all, Jesus says, he says, I'm the example. I'm the example. I'm meek and humble in heart. Uh, and once again, realizing it's not a spineless Jesus we're talking about. It's anything but that. It's an incredibly powerful Christ, a powerful man with great choices that he made. So he first of all says, I'm the meek, I'm the example. And secondly, we see in Scripture, we see Jesus um, in this passage, when we're facing the struggle, did you notice he doesn't take the weight from our lives? He doesn't take the trial necessarily from our lives. Um, if anything, he places weight on us according to this scripture because he says, he clearly says, he, he doesn't lift the burden of the challenge, but he asks us to take his yoke, which he says will bring what? Rest. So we've got the weight of the challenge on our life, or the weight of the struggle, or whatever it may be. And, and it's almost like he adds to it. But this is the point that he's trying to make. He says, you can find rest when you have the weight of the challenge and the weight of, the, of his yoke. Because, you know, quite literally, yoke means balance. Balance. So what Jesus is saying, he's referring to, if you take my yoke... He's saying, take my balance to the burden you're already feeling. Take my balance to the burden you're feeling. Um, and he doesn't necessarily lift the weight off us, but when he puts, we take his rest, when we put, um, take his yoke upon our shoulders, you know what a yoke is? It, it, you know, a, a yoke often uh, for a person, maybe a yoke is a, a, a board that goes across the shoulders and on either end you've got a bucket of water. And you know, it's a very difficult thing to do is just have one side full of water and the other side not full of water that's an imbalance isn't it and you know often we walk around with an imbalance struggling with the trials and the and the in the, the issues of life and yet God says if you put my yoke upon you I'll bring the balance 
so that you can walk stronger. You know you can walk a lot further when it's balanced, isn't it? When it's balanced. I always remember the day I was in a gym one day, many years ago. I, had a gym, I was in a gym in Gladstone and I had a, um, a, a bar, metal bar, and I put some weights on either end, you know, just like 15 kilograms each. And I was just going to do, you know, some bench curls and, you know, trying to build some body mass. And, and I lifted it up and all of a sudden I overbalanced. And as I went this way, all the weights off this end fell off. Clash, clash, clash. And when everything goes from this end, get what happens to the other end. Bang, it all went back this way, and they all fell this way. And I'm standing there with a bar, and as I look around, everybody has just, everybody is just looking quite intently at me, you know, kind of smiling. And this really muscly-looking lady came over and said, you've got to put the clamps on either end. I said, yeah, I know that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Every time I walked into that gym, she'd be there and she'd go, huh? and I'd go, yeah, I'm the guy who's imbalanced, I know. <laughs> I was never so thankful to see that gym membership run out. Because <laughs> everybody knew, I'm the guy. You know, there's these little clamps you put on either end, hold the weights on. You know, and, and you know, that's a reality. We go through life sometimes, the trial will imbalance us. The struggle will imbalance us. And we're leaning to the left. And Jesus says, would you just take the balance of that? My yoke is easy and light. And it balances. It, it provides. Uh, it's not like Jesus lifts the weight from our shoulders. He just helps us through the issues, through the struggles. And, and he gives us, he balances us with the presence. And he lightens the load with the presence of his peace. And the presence of his, his understanding and his incredible, um, and as we allow, and, and that's what meekness is, is allowing his presence into our life so that we, our response to the whole thing will be balanced. How we respond, you know, and relationship with, with God through prayer and just reading his word does more than just give us a good feeling, folks. Or just go, oh, that's a nice scripture. It does more than that. What it does is give us an internal fortitude of balance. And as Jesus put it, meekness in our life to cope with that which we face. Because every day there's a, there's a little challenges, isn't there? Every day there's a little things that we face. And, uh, and Jesus says here, uh, not only says, am I the example of meekness? Not only do you need to take um, meekness into your life so that you can balance yourself against the struggles you face but thirdly he says would you take my yoke upon you and there's the challenge for us tonight will you take it will you take his yoke will you surrender to his purpose will you surrender to his will will you yield to his to him and what he wants in your life um there's never, there's never, let's never say, well, tomorrow. It's, today is the day, isn't it? Today is the day of salvation. The scripture says today is the day of, of letting him have his way in our lives. And he, he you know, in this scripture, he's saying, I'm the balance. Take my balance upon you and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Even though you still haven't taken the weight of the struggle off your shoulders, I'll give you rest. I find that incredibly over many years, incredibly comforting and encouragement. And often when you're facing that struggle, while the struggle isn't gone, you're able to walk through it with so much more confidence, so much more peace, so much more rest in your life. And you know what? Sometimes when you've got his yoke of balance, the thing that you're facing is nowhere near as big as you thought it was. 
and he can help you, whatever that may be. You may say tonight, well, you don't know my situation. It seems in the natural impossible. I tell you what, we serve the God of the impossible, don't we? He deals with the impossible. You know, I always remember I was just driving back from a place called Kingscliff, just over the border, just over the Queensland border there in New South Wales. And uh, I mean, I could give hundreds of illustrations, but I was driving back and I had to be somewhere at a certain time. And uh, as I'm driving back to the Gold Coast and I missed the first turn that I needed to take to get into this place I wanted to go to and kind of frustrated me a little bit. And, you know, and then I thought, oh, well, I can take, I'll find another entry point off the highway. And I missed that one as well. And you know what? Sometimes you just sit there and you start to not just get frustrated, you start to get angry. Why has that happened? You know, you just, it starts to build up. And, 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 and you know, you, you allow, and, and I was just disappointed. Stupid, why did you miss it? You know, disappointed with myself. But then, you know, there's a difference between having disappointments happen to you and disappointments get in you. And, and, and you know, I was aware the Bible says, be angry and sin not. I thought, well, I'm allowed to be angry. <laughs> But, you know, just don't sin. <clears throat> I'm kind of working that one out still, you know. <laughs> but uh, I thought, you know, there's the reality. You can be angry, but don't let the anger get on the inside. You can be disappointed, but don't let the, the disappoint, disappointing thing become a disappointment. Don't let the frustration become a frustration in you. Don't let the, the thing that really hurt, the injustice, become something that it becomes an embittered thing in your heart. And I want to say that one of the keys, I believe, is we allow this the presence of God's presence and the meekness of his presence in us because Jesus, he wants to live us in us through the Holy Spirit, that we're able to then take that meekness and we're able to, he brings the balance and the rest in those circumstances. And, uh, you know, that's the reality. Because, you know, it's true that we live in, in our lives that we can have too much of one thing and not enough of the other. We live in, human nature takes us to one extreme or the other. Is that true? You know, it wants to take us to the extremes of life. You know, that's why we have people who are workaholics and people who don't want to work. You know, that's why we have people who are obese and people who are anorexic. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's the extremes in human nature. Um, you know, the truth is, is that God wants to bring us rest right in the middle of the balance of it all. And he wants to take our human nature and bring it into balance so that we're living for Christ in, a, in balanced life, balanced ego, balanced heart, all through this process of just allowing his presence to invade our lives and allowing this very quality of just meekness, the meekness to be able to cope with the dealings of God and cope with the stuff that happens. Jesus, um, Jesus was an incredible picture of balance. And it says in Luke 2 that Jesus increased in wisdom. What's that? He increased in intellect. He increased in, he increased in statue. That's his increase physically. He grew. It says, and he grew in favor with God and he grew in favor with man. So he grew spiritually and he also grew socially. You know, balanced. It's there we see mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, Jesus grew. It says in Luke chapter 2, 52. And, you know, life is that journey. And there's a number of things that happen that we continually need to balance on a daily basis every day. You know, and how we cope with it. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, take my balance for the pressure. Take my balance for the pressure you're facing. For it's easy and it's light and it's a rest for your soul, for that part of our lives. This is where the struggle is. It's not out there. <laughs> out there is just the circumstances that want to create a struggle in your heart. 
And that's where we need to take his rest from up there in here so that we can cope with out there. You got it? Take the vertical into your heart so you can deal with the horizontal. Um, Jesus said this in, uh, in Matthew 5 5. He, and now he's not talking about himself, he's talking about us. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's this wonderful message, and Jesus preached over you know, several chapters. Um, and he says, blessed are the meek. Here Jesus is saying, um, it says, the meek are the type of people who should inherit the earth. These are the people who will balance the stuff of life and who can manage their lives and can find incredible blessing in all of that. They can focus, they can fulfill, and they can find blessing. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And not that we inherit the stuff of this earth, but we're able to cope with the earth and all that it throws at us. That's what it's saying. Everything we live on a daily basis. Um, if Jesus uh, is one of the most incredible examples, of course, he's the chief model of meekness. The chief model. He is the prime example. Because in the midst of his crucifixion, he responded with forgiveness. He's a prime example. Incredible example. Um, he said, you know, if he's nailed to that cross, he said, you know what, God, would you, Father, would you just forgive them for they really don't know what they're doing? Who was he talking about? The Roman officers? Yeah. Was he talking about all the people in Jerusalem that had said crucify him? Yeah. But more than that, he was talking about us as well. He's talking about you and me. You could say, how did he know about us 2,000 years later? Well, you know, God could look down through into the future and see the reality of humanity and the need that they had for a saviour to save them. And Jesus' prime example of meekness is when he nailed to that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. You know, you get nailed to anything. You get injustice done against you. You get something said against you. You think of Christ, you know, he's, um, you know the truth is it, he, he displayed incredible attitude of meekness. He balanced the pain with hope of the future. Physical pain with the hope of it. He balanced his rejection with forgiveness. He balanced shame with the knowing that his heavenly father loved him. He balanced betrayal with the trust that God never would betray him. He balanced those things. And it was all, he says, you know, come unto me who are heavy laden and laden and I'll give you rest because I'm meek and I'm humble of heart. I'm meek, I'm meek, I'll help you cope. And now he says, you who live in this earth can inherit it because you can be meek as well. You can take on my qualities. And Jesus is a prime example. In actual fact, I want to celebrate that tonight. So we're going to have communion together. Is that cool? So those who are actually taking up the communion, could you come and do that now? That would be brilliant. Um, could you can come and distribute the ambulance, please? Jesus Christ, while he lived on this earth for the 30 of the 33 years, he persisted to display incredible qualities. And we may say, well, that's easy for him. He was the Son of God. In actual fact, he was God. But the reality is he was God, but he was also man, and he faced everything that you and I face. He went before us. He faced the realities of that. It says he was tempted in every way you've been tempted. That's a God who can relate to us, isn't it? And yet in all his life, he never gave in to the temptations. He never gave in to the struggles. Unlike myself, uh, unlike us, uh, we haven't always 
kept their lives right and correct and pure. But, you know, I am glad that we have a saviour that actually says, well, I've come for you. I've come for you. That's what the reason I come. Someone had to pay the penalty for all the sins, so I've done that. I've, I, I, he says, once and for all, I died so that uh, you may not have to die. We have to die physically, but not the eternal uh, for eternity. Live in eternal problems. God said, I want to give you life. Heaven is the destination that we can have. Um, and Jesus' greatest act of love was for all of us. And, um, and the incredible ability he showed us to have the balance and how to cope with the heavy weights of life through the process of meekness. In actual fact, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he says in chapter 11, verse 23 to 26, he says this. He says, for I received, this is Paul speaking, he says, for I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which you betrayed, he took bread. Okay? He took a loaf of bread. And when he'd given thanks for the bread, you can imagine Jesus and all the disciples around what they called this meal, which was called a Passover meal. But let's just uh, see it as a meal that they had together. And after the meal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it in two. It was very, it was an illustrated sermon. He broke it in two. And he says, you know what? Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. You can just imagine that scene as he took a loaf of bread and he broke it, you know, and the crumbs fell around on the table or maybe onto the floor. And he says, you know what? This is my body, which is broken. This is my body, which is broken. I might, my body might be broken, but my spirit never will be. He could have said that, but he didn't at that moment. He says, my body may be physically going to go through incredible torment and hell on earth, but you know what? My spirit will never be broken because I'm going to allow the spirit of meekness to continue to live within my life. I know he didn't literally say that, that at that moment, but that's the inference. And my body is broken, but I'm not. You know, sometimes you can be broken, injustice, hurt, pain. But you know, because of Christ living within you, the Holy Spirit living within you, you can have strength to cope with that. And you know what? You're an incredible testimony to God's grace. In actual fact, all of us are here. In, in one way or another. We've been here, done that, or done something, and yet God's brought us through. I want you never to be, take that for granted. Because Jesus' body was broken. And it says, and uh, as Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, Take this and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And when we do it tonight, let's do it in remembrance of him. Of him. And then it says, in the same manner, he also took a cup after supper. So it would have been a, quite a big goblet of, of, of wine, I gather. And he said, This cup is the new promise in my blood. He says, This cup represents my blood. Just imagine the reality of that a cup. And the disciples are saying, What? That's your blood? This is just wine. No, he says, It represents something powerful. And they're kind of thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? You're going to have a broken body. You're going to shed your blood. What's this all about? And they soon found out within days what exactly he meant when he went to the cross, of course. And he says, this blood is just more than, this drink is just, it represents not just blood, but it, my blood, but it represents a new promise, a new covenant, a new promise for you. It's a new one. It's a promise of this. And, and the promise is that your sins can be forgiven. The promise is you can have eternal life. The promise is you've got a future and a hope in, in me if you receive and accept me. And then he said, do this, drink this. And as often as you drink it in remembrance, do it in remembrance of me. Okay? 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And not only do we proclaim his death, but we also uh, we, we, we remember what he did for us, but we also uh, see after that, of course, his resurrection life, which he brought for us. So to, to this evening, um, Jesus displays incredible qualities um, that he says, I want you to have them. Come unto me, labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'm meek and lowly in heart. And then he says, you know, um, the meek, you can be the meek because the meek will inherit this earth. This earth won't rule them, they'll rule this earth. The, the, the problem won't rule you, you can rule the problem. The trial won't pull you down, you'll pull the trial down. It won't be a tombstone, it'll be a stepping stone. It won't be a, a test, it'll be a testimony one day. And it's all because Christ, through what he showed us and the example he, he set, and uh, even through what he did at the Calvary in his death and his resurrection, victory was his, wasn't it? Victory was here, and so it can be ours. What about tonight? Could you stand with me tonight as we just... Uh, I just invite uh, Kate. Sorry, Kate, if you could come as well just to play. That would be brilliant. I want us just to take this biscuit. You know, tonight we don't have uh, the bread that they had. We don't have the wine that they had. We just have grape juice. We have a little piece of biscuit, but it represents something. It represents the reality of Jesus' body and his blood tonight and we're thankful so I just want to pray I want you just to agree as I pray tonight Father we just thank you we thank you that Jesus you're the prime example of incredible meekness incredible example of how life should be lived um, and ultimately Jesus you died uh, you, you allowed that to happen no one imposed it on you you allowed it to happen because you wanted humanity to see and to know forgiveness of sins and salvation and eternity. Uh, and we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You broke, your body was broken, uh, quite literally. That's such a physical um, picture that nailed to that cross, whipped, bull, uh, the beard pulled. You're a, a bloodied sight, Lord. And that, Jesus, you've done it, uh, not, not willingly, but you did it because you wanted life for us. And we thank you tonight for your body that was broken. And of course, because of that, your blood was shed. And the preciousness, there's life in the blood. And your life literally drained from you that day. And you allowed that to happen so that we could have life. And we thank you. So tonight we would eat and we would drink in remembrance of your death. And we also would celebrate not only the death, but we celebrate your victory. And we thank you tonight. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. So let's eat and drink tonight in remembrance of him. Just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just have the music? So we just sing that song tonight. Just for a moment, just to be thankful. The beginning. Yes, Lord.
Entonces, ¿no? 